welcome um, everyone. This is uh, a ski podcast special about electric vehicles in ski resorts. Uh, and it's something that we've done from time to time, a special uh, from the Ski Podcast. One of the reasons I want, uh, I'm doing this in conjunction with Ski Flight Free, uh, this is a campaign that I set up uh, just over a year ago. I guess it was probably 18 months ago now. And it's part of a, a desire to try and reduce emissions, but still be able to take ski holidays. Now, there are a number of different estimates, but it's estimated that, let's say, between 57, maybe 75 percent, of your emissions, entire emissions from your holiday, your carbon footprint come from traveling to resort. So the choice of how you travel to resort makes a lot of difference. And what is interesting in our in our COVID world is that uh, according to a lot of research, Ski Club of Great Britain, uh, almost twice as many people are planning to drive to resort this winter uh, compared with last winter. They think 35% of people plan to drive. So, um, Therefore, it's, it's more relevant than it's ever been. And if you are driving, well, we found that there's a lot more electric vehicles on the roads in the UK. There's 164,000 in the UK now. And I was looking at some stats just before we started uh, this particular uh, podcast. And sales of pure EVs uh, so far, year to date, 2020, are 158% up uh, on 2019. Now, obviously, this is an, an environment where not so many people are buying cars, but the number of uh, petrol cars is down 52%. The number of diesel cars is down 64%. And we've seen the market share of pure electric vehicles uh, go up uh, from 0.9 a year ago to 4.7 right now. So all of these are reasons are clearly more electric vehicle owners in the UK, more people planning to drive. We're interested in reducing emissions for holidays, and that's why we've set this up. So I'd like to go ahead and just uh, introduce our uh, our panel today. And uh, I'm going to start off. I'm just actually going to bring in bring in uh, Richard uh, to the conversation. Hi, Richard. How are you? Good morning. Very well. Yes. How are you? Excellent. We had so just a uh, snowman in the bottom left of my screen. Anyway, is just Richard, school run. <laughs> <laughs> the owner of uh, snow.co.uk, which is a UK uh, specialist ski travel agency. Uh, we also have Rob Forbes, who's the founder and owner of coolbus.co.uk, a transfer company based in Borg Samaris, and Al Judge from Alicat's uh, Chalet Holidays. What's the full name, Alicat's Al? Alicat's Mountain Holidays. Uh, Alicat's Mountain Holidays based in Morzine. So I think what would be great just to introduce the individual and you want to just elaborate on that. So Al, do you want to start off? You, I've said you're based in Morzine at the moment. Tell us a little bit more about Alicat's. Sure. Um, so we, uh, we've been running for about 10 years um, and uh, we have, up until last winter, we had about six cater chalets and a further six or seven self cater chalets. Um, uh, we've obviously changed our plan a bit for this year with COVID, um, but uh, we're based purely in Maldine and we are trying um, wherever possible to look at how we can make the most environmentally friendly Charlie company that we possibly can. Great. Excellent. <laughs> uh, and uh, Rob, yourself, you're based um, in Borg San Maurice. Your transfer company, I know you your fleet isn't entirely EV, but what stands out to me and what's particularly interesting about it is you have had a, let's say, fleet of electric vehicles that you've been running since 2016, I think. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? That's right, yeah. Well, we, the, the business has been running since 2005. We've gradually built up the stage where we got, we're got running about 24 vehicles um, during the winter um, and decided that was a good level to keep it at. And then not long after that, started investing in electric vehicles because with 24 vehicles at that point, we're clocking up around a million kilometers a year. So it's quite a lot of <laughs> thrown out. Yep. So felt like it was time as soon as we could to invest in electric vehicles. Great. Um, I mean, you were clearly well ahead of the curve there, 2016. Uh, not many people would have uh, would have had a, an EV at that point. And thinking that a year ago, you know, we had, we're looking at a 0.9 uh, market share for EVs in the UK uh, anyway. Uh, Richard, yes, yourself, I know that uh, So, Snow.UK is a online travel agent specialising in ski holidays, right? Yeah, we, we, we basically cover the world's 
top 200 ski resorts. We use all the UK suppliers, um, quite a few in Europe as well. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, snow.co.uk, well, snow without the W, SNO. Uh, we, <laughs> my server updates with from our suppliers, probably 2 million ski holidays every night. So um, yeah, we're, a, we're okay. a, one of the large OTAs in the UK. That's great. And regular listeners to the podcast will be will remember uh, Crystal, who was on our podcast, I think, two episodes ago, maybe number 61, who works at Snow as your marketing manager. Is that Jeez, right? I had a marketing. Yes. Yeah. Head of marketing. Yeah. Mm. OK, so let's have a, a little discussion about, you know, our own literate vehicle experiences. I'm going to start off with myself. Uh, we, we own a, a Tesla three, which um, I bought. Uh, early this year, one week before lockdown, so it's done very little mileage. You know, lots of people are saying, "Oh, how are you finding it?" I, mean, I have no idea. I haven't driven it anywhere, you know, because we've been at we've been at home. Uh, but you know, we'd had our family car. I have twins who are fourteen years old. We'd had that car for fourteen years. You know, it was time to replace it. I had a lot of research uh, into it, and I was you know really strongly wanted to uh, get an electric vehicle. And I just needed to feel confident in myself that I was making the right decision to do that. And that's that's what we have, and that's uh, what we are. It's it's the lower end of the uh, scale, which means it's a uh, its range in Tesla miles is around two hundred and twenty. Its maximum range. Um, what about yourself, Richard? You you have a Tesla as well, but I think it might be a higher grade model is that right uh, we bought a model 3 um in 2018 and right. um, the main reason to be honest is i mean although we're london based i'm from yorkshire and my mum's up in up near sheffield uh, we drive to the alps quite a lot as well funnily enough we haven't actually driven it to the alps yet we've driven to the south of france to Cannes, which is actually slightly further um so we did right. the test we know it works um but yeah we went for the the s because we wanted to try basically we've got two boys two sporty boys you know every weekend off to the rugby and the tennis and what have you and, and we just we just wanted to try really really hard to be a one car family because one of the big things you can do actually is to not drive two cars <laughs> if you if you want to be environmentally friendly and so we had to make sure that the one car we had could do big um, big distances on a charge so we, that's the reason we went for the model s 100 because it can do 300 and something miles on a charge um, depending on how you how much you put your foot down yeah and uh rob you mentioned that you have you know fleet how many teslas or are they just teslas within your fleet are you running at the moment yeah we've got three model x teslas um the first one yeah we bought in 2016 we've got another one in 2017 they're both the 90 kilowatt battery uh, models and yeah. then in 2018 we bought a new model x with a 100 kilowatt battery and do you want to just elaborate for someone maybe who doesn't know so much about electric vehicles what that 90 kilowatt translates to in terms of range um a 90 kilowatt the 90 kilowatt version is probably around 380 well when it was new it was 380 kilometers um that's obviously in perfect conditions nice warm weather a nice flat road yeah well we'll uh, come we'll we'll come on to that uh, <laughs> at the moment yeah and 100 100 kilowatt battery is more like 430k so significantly better yeah okay i think uh, probably i've just put a picture uh, up of uh, one of your uh, tesla x's uh, just there yeah yeah uh, cool. it's an suv so it's really the only pretty much the only vehicle on the market but well, it certainly was in 2016 that is any use to us for airport transfers there's enough room lots of baggage um it's got the range um yeah it ticks all the boxes really yeah, it, 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 and that's quite interesting because we've kind of moved up the ladder in the conversation there. I've got a three, moved on to the S and the X. And as far as Tesla concerned, those are the kind of three grades of what's currently available. Um, Al, uh, it's a slightly different situation. Your vehicle is is for operations in the work in for work within Morzine. Do you want to explain what you've got and when you got hold of that? Yeah, sure. Unfortunately, it's much less glamorous than the Tesla. Uh, but we have a, uh, a Renault Kangoo, um, which is a kind of standard uh, utility vehicle that you see a lot um, around the resort. There it is. Um, so we got it September last year. We did our first winter visit last year. Um, and it's been a little bit quiet since since March. Um, but we yeah we, we love it. It's um, so it does a hundred and according to the manufacturer it does about 160 uh, in the wall in the on the flat and warm weather. And about 100 in the cold um to be honest we never get anywhere near testing its range because what we're using it for is taking um doing food deliveries we have a central centralized kitchen 
um, which delivers food to our cater chalets and then we also do meal deliveries to our self-catered chalets as well which we're expected to do quite a lot of this winter assuming that everything opens um, yeah and so we're typically driving a kind of um, 40 50 kilometers a day in it so it, it never gets um, we never really test it um, in, in terms of its range but um, it does it's been it's been great for us um, and we, we had a few little TV issues just to kind of learn um, when it got really cold and it really snowed uh, heavily we found that sometimes the charging point could get full of um, water during the daytime which then turns to ice overnight and it stops charging so we're kind of having to thought out during the daytime as we stored the stored the charger um, but once we kind of worked that out it, it's worked really really well right cool and and in terms of the choice did it were there a lot of choices a lot of options for the type of vehicle that you were looking for in this respect um not not a huge choice i mean there are there are similar vehicles I mean, for us it was important to use renault um because our local garage is a renault garage and being able to um maintain these things uh, easily and, and make, making the administration of running it easy is, is just as important as all the other factors so having a local um, mechanic who was who is literally a kilometer down the road um, from us who can um, be on hand to help us with any issues was was really important. So we, we kind of chose the brand first and then chose the vehicle and from the Renault fleet was the only one that was suitable for what we were looking for. Right. Okay. Well, that, that's a, a kind of interesting. So all four vehicles there that we've mentioned are being used for different things. I'm just going to show you a photo of um, another uh, electric vehicle. Uh, which is owned by uh, a friend of mine uh, who is based in Saint-Gervais. And uh, he owns a, a Twizy. Uh, are any of uh, you guys familiar with the Twizy? <laughs> Not really, no. As, as you can tell, this is a very minimal kind of vehicle. But it, it, what I found really interesting about it is that even though you know it, it's um, it's price point is around 10,000 uh, pounds and it'll give you around 100 kilometers uh, on a charge but it's a very minimal vehicle if uh, you're listening to this on the podcast rather than watching it as a Facebook live it's rather like a smart car and you can see that John has accessorized it here with a ski rack on the roof which is unique as far as I'm aware. There aren't any uh, like it uh, uh, anywhere. And what I'm going to do for the podcast itself is just edit in a, a conversation uh, with him about the... Uh, so I'm joined today by uh, Jonathan Tregell. A regular listeners to the show will remember Jonathan because uh, he was on the show back in episode 20 after we uh, discussed sham in ski book group but the reason uh, you're here today jonathan uh, hi how are you by the way i'm very well thank you how are you yeah i've said jonathan because that's what you've written on your uh, on your uh, screen there but normally <laughs> it's, uh, it's john but we're talking about electric cars today and you know i happened to visit you in lee contamine a couple of years ago and i was very impressed to see that you had a renault twizzy how long have you had that car um i I think it must be two and a half, three years now, probably. Two and a half, yeah, three, I think three I've had it three, three winters, yeah. Right, that's brilliant. Now, I think I might have said I saw you in Lake Contamine, but you live in Saint-Gervais, don't you? So normally you're driving it just around uh, the Saint-Gervais area. What, what's kind of range on a Renault Twizy? Well, uh, Renault was saying they're advertising that they reckon you'll get about 100 kilometres out of it. But I, really? I think okay. that, that, that's presumably tested on a, a desert salt flat somewhere with a, <laughs> a, a following wind and uh, and driven at exactly 50 kilometers an hour. Um, I would I would say I probably get about 60 kilometers, 70 kilometers if I'm driving conservatively. OK, and how far is it How far is it for you to drive from Saint-Gervais up to your nearest ski resort is Lake Contamine? Is that right? If, if you are going out of uh, Saint-Gervais? Yeah, um, well, I mean, there's quite a few actually. I mean, there's this this Combleu or Majev you can drive to as well. Um, but but up to Contamine, um, I couldn't tell you the distance actually. But I, I would I would get uh, 
two return trips out of it. Um, okay. So I, it's it's probably about fifteen kilometers up there or something that you know yeah. that would make. So you kind of know, you know, the workable range of the car. But do you notice that um, when you're driving during the course of the winter? Obviously, you can get some very low temperatures. Do you find that the range just drops away completely when it's very cold? No, I've never, I've never, um, you know, sort of started up, you know, at night after skiing, as it were, and, and realised that the battery's, you know, half of what it was when I arrived. I, I haven't noticed massive drop off on the battery at all, actually. I mean, okay. one of the good things is, is generally speaking, if I'm going to Contamine, say, I'll be driving uphill to get there. Um, and it's got, you know, like most electric cars, it's got regenerative, regenerative, um, braking. So yeah. you, you'll actually find on the, on the way down, you're using considerably less energy than the way up. What about, what about handling on the, uh, snow? How is a twizzy on that? Because it's a, you know, it's a pretty lightweight vehicle, isn't it? It's, it's a lightweight vehicle. It's a very short vehicle. It's only, it's about, um, two meters 30 long so and it's rear wheel drive so i mean it's it's like a big sledge actually um but you just you, you just have to adapt your driving i mean in the summer it, it drives like a you know like a go-kart that you drive or one of the go-kart tracks because it's really low to the ground it's got the the batteries under slung between the wheels so it's actually got very very stable for its size and yeah i drive it like i stole it in the summer but in the winter, when the roads are a little bit icy, um, you've just got to be quite conservative. You've just got to do that thing, which you, if you're experienced at driving in the winter, you tend to do anyway. You just do everything much more slowly. You brake a long time in advance. You corner a lot more gradually. Um, unless, unless you want to spin it around. I have driven up into a snow-covered car park before at night when no one was around and just had a great time just whizzing around and doing donuts and drifts and stuff. But if you if you don't want to do that, you, you just have to drive conservatively and have winter tires on, obviously. Yes. Change, change yeah. the tires I mean, in terms, tires. Of customi- in terms of customizations, you have uh, winter tires then, and uh, you also have... Um a ski rack on the back as well don't you yeah well it's it's, it's on the roof it's um i i, I, I possibly I, I maybe someone will correct me but i believe i'm probably the only person with a ski rack on a twizzy in the world as far as i know at the moment because i, I made it myself um just out of um ratchet straps and some of that rubber matting that you often get on sort of ski lift stair floors you know that sort of bubbly rubber matting that sort of cushions yeah, brilliant up. and then just a couple of um very cheap uh, ski racks from from Roadie that um, it would just take one pair of skis and, and just attach them with the matting and the ratchet strap. And yeah, it works really well. I mean, I've driven relatively fast with them. And uh, so far, it's all felt very stable. Excellent. And and so you can drive to a different ski resort or wherever with your skis on the roof. And uh, the advantage, of course, of it being quite small is uh, even if it's a busy day, you can always find some space for, to, to kind of ease the car in, maybe lengthways. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 short enough lengthways that you can park sort of in between two cars. They're slotted in lengthways if necessary. Um, but you usually find there'll be a little bit of you know one parking space where they piled some snow that's no longer a full space or you know you usually find them somewhere very convenient and very near to the uh, lift where you can uh, slam it up um yeah, excellent what about what about charging then you charge it primarily uh, at home but uh, do you ever charge it you know away from home and do you see more charging points available in ski resorts um, there's definitely, I, I mean, as you say, I've, I've got a garage that I keep it in. So I normally, it just plugs into a lot of standards, you know, 220 uh, volt three point plug. Um, but you are seeing more and more charging places in, in France, um, down in Solange, um, reassuringly there's one because that's, that's probably about as, that's more of a sort of slightly more industrial town down in the, in the Valley from Saint-Gervais and Chamonix. Um, where you might go to do a small shop um, where I've never had any, you know, I've never had any problems. I've never run out of battery, but I know that there's a charging point there that I could use a fast charge point. Um, if I ever got caught out, I, I know my, my favorite, cause I often drive back to the UK, not in a Twizzy. Um, <laughs> I have a van as well. Um, 
and uh, Chateau Villain, which is one of my favourite um, places to stop en route, um, which is because it, it's about halfway to um, Calais. I noticed there they've, they've taken a huge section of the car park and turned it into fast charge points and Tesla charging points. Right. Um, so they're obviously anticipating a massive rise in um, the number of uh, number of people traveling. I can recommend it as well. There's a court pie restaurant there. So if you are charging, <laughs> uh, if you are charging whilst driving down to the Alps, it's a good place to stop because you, you can have what passes for a pretty decent meal by motorway standards um, while you're, you're waiting for your car to charge. Excellent. Well, that's all really uh, informative and that's great. And, and well done for being ahead of the curve as well by having a, an EV, uh, what, for three years or something like that. So if anyone is out in, uh, you know, Megève or Combleu or Contamine or Saint-Gervais or Chamonix for that matter, and they happen to see a Twizzy with a, a ski rack on, they'll know who it is driving around. Cool. Thank you for having me. Let's move on to uh, charging, because one of the issues that people have with electric vehicles, firstly, is, you know, the possibly range anxiety tends to be top of the list. Uh, Richard, you've already said you've driven out to south of France uh, before. Um, you know, Rob, you're driving those vehicles back and forth from resort to uh, the different airports the whole time. Um, so actually, maybe we will discuss that. I mean, you've already both touched on it. Certainly, Al, you touched on it there about how the range can go down in cold weather what have you found about that rob you must have driven those vehicles in some pretty extreme conditions at times yeah i mean for sure that the cold weather makes a huge difference but then as does driving up and down mountains as well uh, <laughs> yeah to, to kind of put it into context when we set off from geneva to take some clients to say valdez air which is about 185 kilometers we would generally try and make sure we've got at least 380 kilometers of range in the car um, to do that journey. Yeah. Um, that's the sort of difference it makes. Um, I mean, even, you know, snow on the road, stuff like that, all, all, all adds to, you know, increases the rolling resistance of the tyres, knocks, um, knocks the range down. Um, obviously, you've got the heating on when, when, the, when, you, when it's cold, so that's yeah. um, impacting on the, on the range as well. Uh, we've never actually run out, so that's that's something positive I can uh, <laughs> drop in. But um, we only had a couple of close calls. I mean, the, 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 when it really becomes a problem, we have quite serious traffic coming in out of the valley here. Okay. Um, and sometimes if you have that traffic com combined with really bad weather, you can have like delays where you just sat still for four hours. Uh, and obviously, if you've got a, sat in a car with a heating on, going nowhere for four hours, the range is going down. Yeah. Whilst you're going nowhere. So yeah. those are the sort of situations where things have got a bit, bit tricky. Uh, a bit hairy, but it's been, it's it's worked out. As you said, yeah. there hasn't been any uh, issues there. No. I think it's uh, partly to do with your, uh, to do with uh, planning. Uh, Richard, you mentioned that um, you've driven down to the south of France in your uh, vehicle before. Yeah, I mean, we to be honest, we, we we sort of it was the first very very long trip, but we've done some quite a few sort of medium long, you know, couple hundred miles Yorkshire and back that sort of thing, um, and so we kind of were fairly comfortable. But actually, being in another country, you know, then you start thinking about the different charging adapters and all the other faff that came with. I think that sort of thing is leveling out now. You know, the the CCS adapters are pretty becoming fairly ubiquitous. But actually, uh, when we first did it in uh, a couple of years ago, it was um, you had to buy a chadamo adapter and uh, and and then and then also you know we were talking about um you know maybe going to the alps and what have you and 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 that back then there was there were in chamonix you were talking about things like you know can you plug in at the rv place and then you've got to get a thing that reverses the polarity because they've got an opposite thing for their you know caravan hookups and stuff like that and so it was it was the kind of faff that if someone who doesn't want to think about that kind of stuff would say i'm not buying an electric car whereas now that's sort of kind of going away you know for sure. I think that one of the advantages of a Tesla and another reason that we uh, went for it uh, is the benefit of the superchargers when you are on a longer journey. And, you know, I've been up to visit my uh, dad a couple of times, and that's basically the longest journey that I've done. And it's quite frankly incredible when you stop at uh, one of the superchargers, how quickly they can replenish uh, the, the tank, so to speak. Definitely. I mean, when we when we drove down to... Um 
Cannes and Saint-Tropez, we basically didn't really stop to charge. We just stopped to eat. So whenever it was time to have, we'd get up and maybe smash out an hour and a half and then have breakfast. And, um, and then you'd have the kind of full charge for the rest of the morning to drive until lunch sort of thing. And then same sort of thing in the afternoon till tea time. And then, you know, because we were trying to do it all in one go, you know, we, we didn't do a the kind of casual stop halfway down. We drove pretty much all the way. Um, and, uh, and funnily enough, actually with the autopilot, that made it really easy because you kind of sat there chatting and I mean, you could, you shouldn't, but you could virtually sit there playing cards facing the other way on the motorways. It's fairly nailed on. Um, and, um, and so it makes getting down there in one massive slog. It doesn't feel like a slog at all. You arrive pretty fresh and, and because you're not freaking out about the charge, I mean, the, you know, the French road networks, I mean, you guys, living out there you i mean you don't know how lucky you are it's, it's like a fresh laid driveway a french motorway compared to the british pothole roads it really is uh so you know it's, it's lovely it's like driving on carpet you get to get out there and um and because you you know you you type into the sat nav where you're going and it just tells you where the stops are and you just make them match where you fancy eating lunch and breakfast and tea and what have you uh so it's, it's pretty it's pretty stress-free actually yeah for sure i've i've kind of overruled uh my tesla because as you say you put in the destination it'll tell you where you uh where it thinks you should charge but a couple of times i've kind of overruled it because i think well i don't necessarily feel like i want to stop there i'd rather stop at a service station where the kids can roll out and go and get yeah. whatever they uh whatever they need you actually have richard on on your website this uh, excellent page uh, all about uh, driving an electric vehicle to the Alps. Do you, do you update that on a, on a regular basis? Because you mentioned how things have changed since yeah, uh, fairly. the last few years. Yeah, fairly. We, we also, we try to tie into, I mean, if people want to drive electric down there as well, it would, I think the idea of that is just trying to make it a little bit easier. So there's also a, a great big list of all the hotels that have got, um, you know, uh, destination charges and EV charges out in the back car park and that sort of thing, you know, because actually some people now will choose what hotel they stay in according to can they plug their car in. So yeah. um, that's that's definitely uh, important information. Um, but I think also, you know, having, having, I suppose, more detailed information and experience, it's quite nice to try and make it easier for people, who, you know, to not have to go into, you know, half a day's research in order to be able to do it. You know, it's, it's all sort of on one page. For sure. I mean, I was going to be driving out to Outdoors in April, another holiday that was uh, cancelled and I planned out my route around uh, hotels that had chargers, etc. And it seemed to be pretty straightforward. I never got the opportunity to uh, try it, but hopefully I will when we repeat that trip uh, in in April uh, itself. Um, Al, can I, I, I also just sorry. really quickly, I think also it ties in really well with the, um, the sort of um, the resorts that are trying to uh, get to sort of net zero as well you know i think um there are lots of resorts now who are making the effort to make their infrastructure uh, essentially carbon neutral and um and it's kind of i think it sort of behooves us all to support that effort by going to those places um in preference to other places you know it's um uh part part of I think part of, um, I guess, greening the way we live is actually about putting our own spend into places that are doing the same thing um, rather than just tacking our own greenness on the side of maybe something less sustainable. You know? Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. It actually fits in well. I'm about to ask uh, uh, Al, you know, you uh, are part of uh, the uh, campaign in Morzine called, is it called Montanvert? Is that right? Now, you know, that we could do a whole podcast about that in itself, but that is a community community driven organization to improve the sustainability uh, within Morzine. I know there are lots of lots of different elements of that. Is there anything looking at electric vehicles or increasing charging points or anything like that? Uh, So it's been talked about. It's not one of our priority campaigns at the moment, but one of the things we have looked at, um, and I think this will be a focus possibly for 2021, 22, is the idea of um, arranging yeah. doing cooperative purchasing. So, you know, there's probably 200 Renault traffics driving around Morzine um, on, on a given day in January or February. And let's say, I don't know, even if it's 10% of those are, are new that year, that's a, that's a lot of uh, money being spent on vehicles. And if there was a way of um, approaching a cooperative uh, purchase of electric vehicles to bring the price down so that it's closer to you know, the, um, the, the fuel model, 
And that yeah, and how do you go about charging your uh, um, Kangoo at the moment then? Well, because of the, uh, yeah, there's the website, thank you. Um, so because of the, the range isn't really a problem for us, we just charge it um, overnight. Um, there are charging points, there are quite a few charging points around the resort, but none of them are particularly fast. Um, so we don't tend to use them. So for example, you could put, pull up at the local car for and go shopping and you can charge it for free whilst you're in there. But um, because range isn't a massive issue for us, we don't tend to tend to use that. That That is interesting. You don't tend to use it. We've got a free charging point at our local um, Aldi uh, in, uh, in Brighton. And I, whether I'm shopping or not, it's sometimes I drop off my daughter for gymnastics and kind of stop there. There's also a cost of coffee and I kind of feel, well, it's the trade-off. I'm just getting a, you know, like a, effectively a free cup of coffee <laughs> for an extra, you know, 30 miles or something like that. Uh, Rob, can I ask you a question then? I mean, you're based in uh, Borg. How do you, you know, you've got several vehicles to charge there. How do you go about charging those? Because clearly making sure that you have adequate range at the start of a transfer is essential. Yeah, well, we do. We charge overnight at our base. Um, that can be a bit of a headache because you can't have all three cars charging at once because there's, there's just not enough power coming into the house to, to cope with that. Um, but right. like, yeah. as you know, with Teslas, you can program them to charge at, at certain times. So we have to be very w well planned with how we're going to charge the cars through the night. Um, we also use, there's a supercharging station a place called Arshomp, which is just near the border as you go into Geneva Airport. It's about a 10-minute drive from the border. We use that. We use that for every, well, on every single Geneva Airport transfer, basically. Uh, right. There's also a supercharging station near Moutier, a newer one near a, a hotel in La Lachelle-les-Bains. Uh, sorry, sorry, you said in, in Moutier itself? Just before you get to Moutier, yeah. It's like um, one of the last towns near a place called Aigues Blanche, uh, just yeah. on the before you get to Moutier. Uh, so it's not on the not on the motorway as you're coming uh, out? Just off the motorway, yeah. You just, right. It's just two kilometres off the motorway. Yeah, and what sort of charger is that? That's a Tesla supercharging station, so... Is it? Okay. That's a good one. Um, you can actually use the spa facilities in the hotel for half price whilst you're charging your car, so that can be a good one. <laughs> so, like, go and have a quick hot tub while, you, <laughs> while your car is charging. Yeah. Um, okay. We've got we've got charging at the local supermarket as well, but main, mainly it's at home, split between at home and the Tesla charging station. Okay, and you know I think I have read, and I'm not you know full on the details of this, but um, I think Macron has announced uh, what you might call a, a green uh, recovery or investment in green technology. Are you seeing that coming through in terms of subsidies for installing charging points uh, in France? Um, not so far, no. I mean, there are there's, there's certainly a lot more charging points in the ski stations than there was, or even last year, really. Um, but we've not seen any sort of uh, public charging, certainly around here yet. I'm sure, I'm sure it's coming. But yeah, I heard he's talking about putting a hundred thousand charging stations in across France over the next couple of years. So that should be great. Right. right okay. So one of the big cities. If you go to Lyon or something like that, you might see more evidence of it. Okay, and and you mentioned that you're charging uh, those cars, those vehicles from home where it's possible. Am I right that I might have read somewhere on your website that you, those are driven, or you have solar power, a solar array as well for photovoltaic power? Yeah, we've got two offices in Borg, and we've got uh, twenty solar panels on each the roofs of each uh, office. Um, but obviously, in the winter, shorter days, the sun's not very high in the sky, so we're not. Even with that, you know, 40 solar panels, you're still only talking 30, maximum 30 kilowatts a day in the winter. So you'd still need three days just to charge one car, really. Um, but obviously, they're going year round and, and out of season, yeah. the power back to the grid. And in any case, all of our, the power that we do take from the grid is from green energy supplies. So, um, yeah, it's all balanced out. Yeah. Well, while we've been talking, nice com comment there. Can you see that one? Uh, Rob? Oh, yeah. Does it come up? Oh, right. There you go. <laughs> come up on your screen. I also noted when I was talking to someone else about it, they said to me, oh, the, the reason we bought our Tesla 
was because we were converted when we got a transfer from Val d'Azur to Chambry Airport in a Tesla X, and I assume that that must be uh, yours as well. So you've well, obviously... Con- that was one of, the, one, one of the thoughts when we were thinking about buying these cars back in 2016, was yeah, the more people you take in them, especially back then, people didn't have personal experience of being an electric car. So, you know, that was part of it, that people could see how great they are, and that might push them towards buying one in the future. So that's great. Works. There's actually actually someone else in the ski industry, um, uh, Dom, who owns In the Snow, publisher of In the Snow magazine. I think he went on a press trip where he went out in one of your uh, uh, Teslas, and that con- uh, that converted him to buying something uh, as well. Um, Al, can I um, ask you a question? Then I, I mentioned about Macron's uh, investment. Have you seen any more? charging facilities or do you know if there are any tax benefits that make it easier to install your own chargers in france now or if that's going to be on the way so um i uh, i can't speak i don't think to the tax incentives around installing chargers I, I mean i can say that i've observed there's a lot more now than there were a few years ago um in terms of the purchase though um there was definitely a um, significant tax incentive there. Um, I think um, the, the Renault Kangoo, I think, was listed at around 26,000 euros TTC, so including GBA. Um, and with, uh, I did a part exchange for a very old diesel um, Kangoo, and then using the, um, the government uh, subsidies, I think I only paid about 12,500 euros um that's ht so before tax so that would be i guess probably about, about 15 16 euros including tax so you know there was a, a very significant um incentive there and that um, made it much more affordable yeah i mean it's definitely a fact that um the the tax side of things is because governments are um very keen to reduce the national carbon footprint they're incentivizing people to buy evs and uh, the tax benefits of, of buying an EV, certainly within the UK, are extremely good if you're a business and you're buying one for your uh, business. Uh, certainly there's zero benefit in kind uh, at the moment and uh, they are tax deductible to, to corporations. Uh, so that's that's beneficial as well. So, um, Richard, can I ask you a question then? If you were you know, looking to just give an advice to any potential EV owner, you know, looking to take it to the snow or just in general, what, what advice would you give them? How would you help direct them making their decision? I mean, I think um, I think you have to be realistic about how you like to drive um, because unless you're going for, I mean, there's no doubt that the, you know, the 100 kilowatt hour Model S and Model X have the longest range of anything out there, but they're also by far the most expensive vehicles to buy. So, and there's lots more affordable ways to go electric, actually. Um, I mean, I think the Model 3 is a great in-between one, but that's still a pretty flash car. So, um, I, yeah, it's about how you like to drive. If you want to go and smash out sort of two or three hours of driving it at a go and do it in big stretches, uh, and you don't want to get there in three days or, or two days, then you probably do need to go for the more expensive one. And then and then it helps to be looking at the idea of also trying to be a one car family because it's greener, but also it means you can afford one nicer car, I guess. Um, I mean, there are people who still, uh, I mean, you know, in Putney here in London, it's very, very common for people to drive a... Um, a low kilowatt hour car like you know the small bmw i3s and the and the nissan leafs and what have you but still retain a large you know diesel or, or fossil fuel burning estate car for the yeah. big family trips and what have you so if you if you can bear to not have two cars uh, available which is tricky when you've got more than one child usually um then actually i think the trick is probably to try and go for the longest range one you possibly can and have one car rather than two um it's massively greener um to not have two great big two and a half ton pieces of steel pushing around the road um, and be made in the first place. And I think, you know, if you're going to drive to the Alps, it, you have to make it much more of a road trip in a low kilowatt hour car. You know, you have to make it multi-day. You can't smash down there in a day like we're all used to doing for a one week ski trip, you know. Um, but if you, you know, if you, if you can go for one big expensive one rather than two sort of medium priced cars, um, 
and and yeah and manage to live your life with just one car then i think that's the way to go you know it's uh, yeah. it's it's quite a small sacrifice for quite a big impact i think for sure i mean typically when we we normally drive to the alps when we go on our family holiday and we rarely do do it in one go we tend to make it more of a journey and stop overnight so actually when i had planned out traveling out uh, with the tesla it wasn't going to be significantly different uh, from how we've done it previously mm-hmm. um so yeah e- e- each to their own but i get your point of saying you know buy uh, kind of the best that you can afford uh, it's rather like uh, computers people always say buy the best you can afford because the technology is changing uh, quickly before we did get the tesla 3 i did look at a number of other options and there are some really good cars out there um, i think it's a kia um it might be called the e-nero uh which was a really good family car uh as well but actually it was impossible to get had a nine-month waiting list because the demand is so high for these things and they can't produce them and that was another advantage of the uh of the tesla as well um, i mean that's a great Rob, sign isn't it that there's a huge waiting list that's a great sign you know it yeah. means that people are engaging you know and it's becoming it's not just the bleeding edge anymore it's not just the massive early adopters we're starting to get into the slightly more mainstream and that that's that's really promising i think yeah, de- uh, definitely so. And it, it, as I mentioned uh, right at the top of the podcast, you know, the numbers of uh, EVs under up 158% year on year, which is incredible. You know, the market share has uh, gone from 09 to 4.7%. And that's going to uh, continue to change. So there'll be more normality. And you mentioned about the provision of charges is so much better. There's been quite a lot of chat in the press recently uh, about um, EV only service stations in the UK. I don't know if you've seen that at all, and that looks really interesting. There's uh, and, a new big one in Essex, isn't there? Which looks yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. They're proposing to do a, a chain of those. But you know, typically, I found that when you drive in the UK on the journeys that I have done, okay, a Tesla supercharger is great, but pretty much every service station has a charger, and they're not always uh, you know rapid, but they're uh, they're fast. Rob, what about yourself? If you were recommending, you know, or giving some advice to potential EV owners, you know, for someone who wanted to go out to the Alps or just in general, what would you have to suggest to them? Yeah, I mean, similar to what's been said, really, that um, it, I mean, obviously, Tesla would seem to be the the best tool for the job in terms of range, although, you know, lots of other manufacturers are catching up now. Um, But it, it does, it is a different kind of journey. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going to drive, say, three hours and have an hour stop, then another three hours, and you're, you're more sort of looking to use that time, um, as has been said, like to to, to, to eat and uh, just and it, it actually becomes more of a relaxing journey, really. Um, um, and I think it's been said also, if you're following the GPS, it really does plan out the the route for you and tells you where to do all your charging stuff, takes all the guesswork out of it. Um, and whilst, whilst the range on the dashboard in a Tesla can be sometimes a little bit misleading, the range you get when, once you program in a, a route is really accurate and it tells you what percentage battery you're going to have when you arrive at the next charging station. And often you can you can uh, tweak that a little bit by um, cruising at a slightly slower speed or if you're, if you're, if you're going to arrive with plenty of range, just put your foot down a bit. Um, yeah, it's just a different kind of driving, really. It's more of a road trip. I've not done the drive to the UK from here, but I have driven to Croatia um, this time last year, and it, it was a pleasure. I arrived feeling refreshed, and um, it was a very enjoyable journey. Yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned it, but the tech inside the vehicles is just incredible. When I've been on those long journeys, it just so easy to communicate to be up to date you know the kids uh you know really love it when we come to a stop etc as well and as you say uh, the range you know uh it does take that uncertainty out of it i find it really interesting if you you know when you program in a destination and tesla will tell you what percentage of charge you'll have left when you reach your destination but actually, it's assuming that you're going to drive at a certain uh, speed and you can take it a little bit easier and you're going to have a lot more left. Or if you feel that you're quite there, you can put your foot down a little bit and uh, and overdo it. And it really, it's up to you. It's like any vehicle. Your uh, consumption you know, depends on on how you actually uh, um, how you actually drive. Um, 
let's see i've got um i'm just going to show us this uh question here it's from stan uh, he's enjoying what we're chatting about um, i don't know if we will be able to bring you in today but that is a really interesting uh, website link there which is ev-pal.com uh, for putting in uh, ev charge points in the alps um so thanks very much stan i'm going to share that on uh, facebook uh, as well and i'll put it in the uh, show notes and i actually find that really interesting because i've been trying to encourage one of my clients to get a charge point fitted because to me that's a selling point that not only positions himself as a company who's looking to try and um, be more sustainable and to encourage sustainable travel uh, but it, uh, they, I mean, it, to jump in there as someone who sells yeah. holidays and, and rents out chalets for people um, I mean that it's just absolutely massive you know it's funny we we had the kind of non-ski experience of of exactly this actually not this summer the one before we went to <coughs> excuse me went to uh, northwest Wales towards sort of Snowdon area and ha having had rented a a sort of a cottage up there and it's an absolute ev charging wasteland there's literally nothing you know it's just <laughs> unbelievable i mean the number of times we had to go and buy um like you said in multiple coffees from the one place that had a kind of a <laughs> and when you're used to supercharging 45 kilowatts does not feel like a fast charger when you're trying to find, fill up a 300 mile car you know so and and that was for the entire kind of you know region you know between where we were and so i mean we were lucky that um the next door cottage was a bit posher and had a plug socket out by the hot tub so so we plugged yeah. into that but uh, but i mean yeah i mean that that's 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 really key actually is if you if you're renting chalets for example if you're in this market or you have a hotel in the alps for god's sake get a destination charger or two fitted because if you've got two destination chargers sat in the in your back car park just sat they only cost 400 quid each plus um whatever the installation is you know 100 pounds or so to get a, a proper electrician to, to, to wire it in on its own separate gang you know um then th it's a massive massive selling point because we already are getting people you know getting because you know we, we have dozens and dozens of inquiries for ski holidays every day and more and more we're getting every week now people getting in touch saying and uh, and i need to book somewhere where i can charge because because actually people want to get there and just forget about it plug it in and go skiing they, they don't want to drive into town and find a charge point and you know sit around waiting for a bit or come back to it or all the faff and that kind of stuff and actually for the sake of you know between three and five hundred quid you can have either a tesla, tesla destination charger if you're really keen to I suppose go for the high-end market and and because uh, that because actually there's loads of forums and that information does get around those people so it gets shared you know you'll get you'll get heard of or or even just a regular ev charging point or even one of each you know it's it's, it's absolute no-brainer if you want to be selling more um you know weeks in your ski chalet or hotel great well i you know i'm i'm fully agreed uh, on that um al um, any other uh, tips you'd like to offer people? You said you had, you know, when you first got the uh, vehicle, there were a few uh, challenges. So any other tips for potential EV owners looking to have them in resource or elsewhere? Um, I would think there's a, there's a kind of very immediate practical one of driving up steep hills in the snow and trying to kind of get your head around the, uh, the right-hand pedal, not being a, you know not being an accelerator or a gas and it's not there to engage a gear it's there to move the wheels forward and getting the right touch uh, is really important because if you don't you end up spinning quite fast uh, but once you've learned that then actually they're amazing cars in, in the snow because you've got some on four wheels um and that makes it makes yeah it i think one of, one of the things i always find uh well interesting because they have regenerative uh, braking in Brighton, most people don't think of Brighton, which is where I live, as being particularly hilly, but in fact, uh, it's you know a whole load of hills. And in the summer, I was going down to the sea to go uh, stand up paddleboarding, and on the way down the hill, I'd end up with more range in the battery by the time I arranged, uh, arrived at the sea than I had when I started because you're going downhill and it's giving you more power all the way whereas obviously when you go uphill it burns it really quickly and the other point that you made earlier I think Rob is that when you have uh, the heating on for example I had to pick up my daughter the other day got caught out in a rainstorm that we had here we stuck the heating on and just watching the range being affected 
really quickly. So you need to kind of think about those sort of things as well. I mean, um, they do. Okay. They do. They're, they're a top. Just really quickly to on the end of that, there are top tips for driving in the cold. Where I mean, I mean, Tesla's quite big on this because range has always been their thing. So they they give advice on, for example, if it's cold and you really want to maximise your range, don't put the heating on. Put the heated seats on because then it only heats you, not the entire car that's leaching out, leaching out to the uh, to the environment the whole time. You know, and so and and actually that makes a massive difference because it's completely comfortable to be in a fairly cold car with a lovely toaster heated seat and the heated steering wheel it's you don't need to heat the entire vehicle basically and yeah. that's actually apparently uses less than half the power of heating the entire car inside so you know i mean and, and actually heating the car it doesn't use a massive amount i mean I, I guess where rob is it probably uses a fair bit more but um you know compared to moving a two and a half ton vehicle it's not it's not taking a mile out every five minutes or something like that you know it's it's a, it's a bit more gentle than that yeah, well, that's a good tip because um, my wife does a lot of sea swimming and uh, those heated seats, you know, uh, I wouldn't say they're a lifesaver, but they make a lot of uh, difference. But knowing that they use a lot less power than the heating is really good. OK, well, I'd like to uh, uh, wrap up now. So I'd like to thank uh, everyone today for taking uh, part. Uh, to uh, Al from uh, Alley Cats Mountain Holidays. And I thoroughly recommend you have a good look at their website because owning the electric vehicle is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the uh, environmental and sustainable commitments uh, that they have. So have a close look at that. We've blogged about it before on uh, Ski Flight Free. So thanks very much, Al. Uh, Rob from Cool Bus, if you're looking for a uh, transfer uh, this winter hopefully we will all get to go skiing we're recording this on the 17th of uh, november it's a bit unclear at the moment but i'm sure at some point uh, you will be able to and you know we haven't touched on train travel we have a completely separate podcast all about train travel and train travel would relative to uh, um, an internal cost combustion engine uh, journey use significantly less uh, or create significantly less emissions and you'll arrive at Borg-Saint-Maurice or Moutier, where Rob's transfers could take you up emission-free uh, to resort as well. And uh, also to uh, Richard from snow.co.uk, really good page on the uh, website there that I've put into the uh, show notes and linked to as well, as well as showing it during this, with lots of information about driving to the Alps. So I'd like to uh, thank uh, all of you. So hopefully, everybody, let's enjoy uh, skiing this winter. And uh, remember, if you do want to reduce your emissions, uh, remember to ski flight free. Thank you very much. Hi there, listener. Ian here. I just wanted to let you know that you can now support the ski podcast at buymeacoffee.com. Researching, Recording, editing and publishing the pod takes up a lot of my time. And don't get me wrong, I really enjoy it. You know, I love talking with people about skiing. But if you do enjoy listening to the podcast and you'd like to support us, then you can literally buy me a coffee, or in my case it would be a cup of tea, but the idea is the same. So just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast. Thanks very much.